Hi, this is Pastor Steve Lance from Noble Assembly of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that this message from God's Word will bless and enrich your life. Your ways, great are your works, great are your Lord in all the earth. Great is your power, great is your strength, great are your Lord and great to be praised. your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as we're going to continue the series we've been looking at called Under the Hood. And so we are excited about looking at values that drive us as a church. You know, under the hood of every car, there's a motor that takes it down the road. And we've been looking at things that are a part of the motor of this church. And first of all, we looked at biblical teaching and preaching. We believe that the teaching and the preaching that we do around here needs to be based on this book. Amen. It needs to be based on the truth of God's word. Then we looked at prayer and healing. Prayer is so vital to what we need to do and should be doing and to the effectiveness of what we do here as a church. And then last Sunday, we looked at biblical community. We looked at the family of God and we talked about that and how wonderful it is to be part of a church family. And so um, we're, we're glad for each one of you that you consider this your church family, and we love you. Today we're going to look at equipping of the body, equipping of the body. We need to be a body of believers that's equipped and trained and discipled. So uh, our scripture this morning is Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 1. I think maybe I said verse 11, but it's verse 1. We're going to read uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. So therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You know, every one of us is called. We all have a calling. Amen. We need to live a life worthy of our calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort. Seems like that those three words have been filling our uh, hearts and our, our messages the last couple of weeks. Make every effort. Say that with me. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the one and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts of Christ these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip 
God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other part to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Healthy and growing and full of love. That's what the Lord wants for his church. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this service. Thank you for all of your people that are gathered here to worship you and to get into your word and to grow in you. And we just pray your blessing upon the message in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. The big idea today, we value equipping the church. And we believe that discipling and equipping should start from the cradle and go all the way to the grave. You see, even before the cradle, while the babies are in the womb, they could be ministered to through song and through our words with Christ-filled homes and spirit-filled churches. Amen? Remember what happened with John the Baptist when he was in the womb of his mother Elizabeth when he heard the voice of Mary, the mother of Jesus, if you look back, it says that, um, I thought I had that scripture mark. Can you go ahead and put that up there? A few days later, a few days later, Mary heard, hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zachariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Babies in the womb can be touched by the Spirit of God. Amen. They are a baby, even though they're not born. And by the way, congratulations to uh, the Keller family over here for a new grandbaby, great-grandbaby. Amen. All, all we believe in church growth. Amen. <laughs> but we value babies and children as well as teens to, and, and seek to do our best to give them Jesus. I, I want to say a huge thank you to all of our Sunday school teachers, our nursery workers, children's church, Royal Ranger leaders, girls' ministry leaders, connect group leaders of this age. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, if you teach children from the nursery clear on up through teens, if you are, whether it's once a month or every week or whatever, if you are in a ministry to children. Would you stand up? I want to just say thank you to you. If you teach children weekly, monthly, if you serve in the nursery once a month, I'm talking to you too. There's, there's, all right. All right. Thank you so much. Give a hand to these people. Amen. That, that is so, so very, very important. And um, so, that is part of equipping. That is part of training, discipling. And, and don't think that it really doesn't matter because it does matter. 
Jesus said, as we read earlier, we were getting ready to, uh, to dedicate Elijah. Jesus said, don't forbid the children from coming to him. And uh, I believe that's talking to the parents and to the church. Parents, don't forbid your children from coming to the, to the Lord, coming to, to learn. Uh, and, and as a church, don't forbid them by not providing ministries, meaningful ministry to them. You know, it was in Sunday school and, and children's church in a limited way. They didn't really have children's church when I grew up. They just kind of started it when I was about 11. They started doing children's church. But uh, it was there that I learned the basic Bible stories and how they apply. I mean, I learned about David and Goliath. I learned the story of David and Goliath, and most everyone in here knows that. But I also learned that God is bigger than any giant I would ever face. And, and then I learned about Daniel and the lion's den, learned about that. I, I learned that we don't have to bow and shouldn't bow for what's wrong. We need to stand for what's right. We learned about Gideon and how he, he uh, faced the enemy that was many, many times larger than what, than what the army he had. And, and I learned the principle that God has your back even when you're outnumbered. I learned about Ruth. Um, and how she was with her mother-in-law, Naomi. I learned that we need to follow the Lord because you never know what God has up his sleeve for you in the future. We need those Bible stories. And so it was Sunday school where I learned that and most all of us in here that grew up in church, that's probably where we learned most of our Bible stories, that and, and somewhat at home. And so on and on we go with many, many stories. So parents, don't deprive your children of learning these basic and foundational Bible stories and principles. We are living in a generation of Christian illiteracy, Bible illiteracy, rather. People don't know their Bible. And it's because we have let down on Christian education and the, and the, the uh, principles and the stories being taught in these classes. And so that's a part of this equipping thing. So using the letters of the word equip, I want us to explore the value of equipping the body. So five points. First of all, E stands for everyone. Who do we equip? Well, Ephesians 1.1, Paul writes, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. It could say, I am writing to God's holy people in noble. This, this word is for every generation, for every place. And so we have a responsibility to equip the body of Christ, God's holy people. We can't equip the world because, first of all, they're not saved and none of this Christian stuff even makes sense to them. They don't understand about the... the uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the different things that go on. But once you become a body of, the, of Christ and you become a, a child of God, then, then God's will is that you grow up and that you be equipped to be a vital member of the body. And so the whole book of Ephesians, the entire book, is all about equipping and growing believers in Christ. God's will for your life is to be his servant and do the things that he planned for you long before you were born. Just as Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says, For God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is the gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has plans for our life even before we were born, long, long ago. And furthermore, in chapter 3, verses 14 through 20, he says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Up, his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. If you've come to Christ, then you are to grow and learn and be equipped to serve. God's purpose for your life and for his glory is to serve him, to minister to those that God puts in your path. So who? Everyone. Everyone should be... I just lost my train of thought. Everyone should be trained in the body of Christ. Number two, Q speaks of qualities. The qualities of Christ. That's why do we equip Look at Ephesians 4, back at our text, verses 13 to 15. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, and that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Why do we equip? One of the reasons, or he lists several of them there. One of them is that we might come to unity. Unity is really important in a church, on a team, in a workplace. It's good for everybody to be on the same page. Amen? We also... Uh, are equipped that we might come to the knowledge of God's Son. And it takes our whole life to become knowledgeable of this word. We don't graduate. You never graduate from, from learning God's word and say, well, I know all there is. How many of you know there's always something new to learn in the word of God? There's always more to know. And he wants us to be mature in the Lord. Why do we equip so that we can have the qualities of being mature in the Lord? It's not healthy to stay a baby forever. Yeah, I've got uh, Cruz, you know, my grandson, who is 10 and a half months old. But I would think it was really, really strange if 10 years from now he still looks the same. Something would be wrong, wouldn't it? 
If Cruz still weighs less than 20 pounds 10 years from now, there's something wrong. Same is true spiritually. When you first come to Christ, you're considered a babe in Christ, but you're to grow. You shouldn't be the same as you were 10 years ago. We're to continue to mature in the Lord. Our knowledge of the Word should get more. Our knowledge of, of how to minister should increase. Our qualities of Christ should increase. And that's another reason we train and equip is to, that we might measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. To no longer be immature. To not be tossed and blown about in our faith. We need to know what you believe and why you believe it. We should learn how to lead someone to Christ. If somebody says, how do you become a Christian? Can you tell them? Or do you say, I don't know. Let me call my pastor and let you talk to him. That shouldn't be that. I mean, I'll be glad to do that. But as a believer, you should know how to lead someone to Jesus. You should be able to take them down the Romans road. That's what I always did. You know, Romans, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9 and 10, and Romans 10.13. Five scriptures called the Romans road can lead a person to Christ. The Holy Spirit works through that. Every believer should know how to lead somebody to Christ. You shouldn't say, let me call my preacher or let me ask somebody else. That's no longer being immature. Not being influenced by deception and temptation. There's lots of temptation out there. As you grow in the Lord, you should be able to withstand temptation. You should know how to handle temptation. You should run and not, you know, stay around and, and get, uh, get taken back. Uh, we should learn to be speakers of the truth. We need to know the truth. We know, need to know how to speak the truth, but we, it needs to be mixed. What does the Bible say in, in the scripture? What does it need to be mixed with? Mixed with God's love. We should mix it with God's love. If, if you're just speaking the truth, but it's not mixed with God's love, then you're not doing it right. God's love should motivate everything that we say and do. And, you know, it says grow more and more. Everybody say more and more. More and more. More and more like Christ. We should get to the point to when we look in the mirror, we see more of Jesus than we did yesterday. Amen. More and more. That's, that's what it is to grow up in the Lord. So imagine our church, your family, yourself having these qualities. What a powerful influence in our culture that would be. Believers that are equipped, children that are equipped, teenagers that are equipped to go back to school and to be able to share Christ with their classmates, be able to lead them to the Lord, able to fight the good fight of faith. Parents, I got three stars by these next three statements. So listen, parents, if you don't care about teaching and equipping your children for Christ at home and through the ministries of the local church, the devil will certainly equip them against Christ through the principles and temptations and powers of this world. So if you don't care about equipping them for Christ, Satan will make sure that they are equipped against Christ. Second statement, Satan wants to take down who you, want to be, who you want to see taken up when Christ returns. Satan wants to take down who you want to see taken up when Christ returns. And thirdly, teach them by word and example at home 
and then avail yourself of every ministry the church offers to see them grow up to love and serve Christ and then go up to meet him when that time comes. That's why I said it fit perfect with the baby dedication a while ago. In your home, pray at your meals. If you don't pray at your meals, you're teaching your children something terrible. There should not be a meal take place in your house that you don't thank God for. And I don't care even at a restaurant. I go to a restaurant. You ask my family. We go to a restaurant. I pray before every single time. I don't care where I'm at. I've had waitresses go, oh, I'm sorry. I have nothing to be sorry about. But what a witness. And what a witness to that waiter or waitress. There's been times I've actually had the opportunity to witness to a waiter or waitress because they saw me praying, and they say, would you pray for me too? Absolutely. So, folks, something as simple as praying over a meal is very important. And that's just, that's just one tiny thing. Avail yourself of your ministries and teaching your children at home. Read the Bible to them. Read stories to them. And then, by all means, take advantage of every opportunity the church offers. They are at home and in school and in the world many, many, many more hours than they are in church. In Sunday school, in Royal Rangers, in girls' ministry, in youth group, in children's church. Because we want them to go up when that time comes. Jesus is coming. We don't want anybody left behind. We want this church to be empty. If the rapture should happen in 15 minutes from now, which it could, I hope there's not a soul in this church. I hope they come up and the police comes up and say, all these cars are out here, but we can't find one person on the grounds of Noble Assembly of God. Imagine what it would be like if you were the only one still sitting here and everybody gone. Friends, I'm not telling you something that's far-fetched, some, some, something sci-fi or weird. It's the truth. Jesus will come back, and he may come back on a Sunday morning. He came, may come back at any time. We don't know. So we need to be teaching our children and our grandchildren and ourselves. And like I said, You can never graduate from knowing too much. Thirdly, you. Utilizing. How do we equip? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 talks about five different groups there specifically. Talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastors, and teachers. Let me just mention those. Apostles, basically, if you say, well, who's a modern-day apostle? I would basically say our missionaries and church planners. The apostle Paul, what did he do? He went out and planted churches. Galatians, the church at Ephesus, Corinth. Missionaries are our modern-day apostles. Prophets. Prophets are people who not only foretell the future, like telling you something in the distance that's going to happen, but I would say in our day, it's, and we have some of those, and David Wilkerson, I think, was a, a, a good example of that. But other, I think the prophecy that, that, that is more relevant and more important, not that the other is ir- irrelevant, but more important, is that we foretell the gospel. Under the unction of the Holy Spirit, you are with force foretelling the word of God. And so... Uh, that should be the desire of every believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1 
says, let your love, or let, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to what? To prophesy. And like I said, I think Paul is not necessarily talking about foretelling events. He's talking about forthtelling the Word of God. That's not just for certain people. All of us should want the gift to ability to really speak out the Word of God. And then clear back in the Old Testament, in Joel chapter 2, in verses 28 and 29, it says, Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will seize visions. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. Prophecy. The gift of prophecy, speaking out the word of God, declaring the word of God, not only in church, but in your home, on the job, at school, in the community. We need godly voices in our land. Lord knows we got a lot of other voices. We need godly voices, people to speak forth the word of God, not in an I'm better than you, not in a Carol didn't even shut me off. I shut myself off. Not in beating people over their head with the Bible, but in, in speaking the truth and love and declaring God's word and standing up for it. Amen. We just sit back. The world will just, you know, what was it somebody said the, when people are uh, concerned about a boat sinking? It's not the water that's on the outside of the boat. It's the water that gets in the boat that sinks it. It's the sin, it's, the, it's the, the things of the world that get into the church that cause the church to be ineffective. It's not the world around us. It's what we allow to get in. And then the other gift is the gift of evangelists. These are believers that have the special gifting of the Holy Spirit to, to win the lost very easily. I mean, Billy Graham, probably the greatest example of that in our generation, had the ability to, I mean, he could just give an altar call and 5,000 people just come down, you know. It's amazing. He'd stand back there. He wasn't a real, you know, uh, a guy that was out turning cartwheels, kind of, kind of a preacher. He just declared the word of God. He could do this, you know. But then he'd just stand back and they'd play just as I am and the place would be flooded with people. God anointed him with that kind of anointing. But even within a local church, there's people that have the gift of evangelism. They just can talk to people easily. The Holy Spirit has gifted them with the ability to lead people to the Lord. But, lest you say, oh, good, I'm off the hook. I don't have to worry about leading anybody to Christ. No, <laughs> sorry. Sorry to bust your bubble. We are all, are all to be witnesses. As I said earlier, we are all to know how to lead people to Christ. Whether you have the gift of evangelism or not, you are a witness and we are to win the loss. So that's another gift. And then finally, we come to the group that most of us are more familiar with uh, and, and have day-to-day -day interaction with as pastors and teachers. People that have probably the greatest uh, impact on our being trained or being equipped or being disciplined and, and discipled are pastors and teachers. And God specifically calls some people in the church to be pastors and to be teachers. I was going to be an accountant. I always enjoyed math. I loved accounting one and accounting two in high school. I was going to 
be a CPA. And the Lord said, no, you're not. It's not what you're going to do. At an altar of prayer in the summer of 1980, the Lord said, I want you to go be a pastor. I want you to preach the gospel. That's what I've been doing now since, since 1980. God specifically called me. I know that he did. I couldn't do anything else than be obedient to the Lord. I know that's what he called me to do. And, but you know what? The same God that called me to be a pastor called Pastor Phil and Pastor Chad and other pastors and, and leaders in our church and also every teacher. Our teachers. Debbie Blevins, where's Debbie? Is she not? Huh? Oh, she's headed south. Did she already leave the church? No. <laughs> I was going to talk about it. Uh, she's one of our Sunday school teachers. And there's others that teach. They are just as called to do that as I'm called to do what I do. God calls teachers and pastors and commanders and sponsors and nursery workers to do those things. And we are blessed, like I said, with, with other leaders, Brother Gifford and Brother Gherkin and Brother Ronnie and Jeremy and Don, all uh, called ministers of the Lord. But even teachers and, and other leaders in the church are just as called. God has a, a specific calling that we just read about in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He uses pastors and teachers to equip, equip the body of Christ for ministry and to help people get to heaven. Are you thankful for your pastors and teachers you've had through your life? Amen. Fourthly, I inhabit. When do we equip? When the Holy Spirit came to inhabit your life is when the equipping and the discipling is to begin in your life. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 uh, says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we could praise and glorify him. Part of the inheritance that the Lord promised us is for us to be trained and equipped to serve the Lord in ministry. One of the blessings of being part of a local church is the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to learn to serve and to learn to minister, especially true of our children and teens. I remember the church I grew up in, and Pastor Phil, I was going to tell you about this. We, we need to redo this again in our church, I think. We would have youth day every year. And every year, the youth would do everything. They'd teach all the classes. And we've done that a few years here, but we need to redo this again. They'd teach all the classes. They would do even, maybe even the sermon, the announcement. As many youth could do everything the adults normally do, the youth would do. And so our church did that every year. And it seemed like every year, I always got the hardest class to teach. They always gave me the senior adults that knew the Bible backward and forward. And I was 15, and I'm going to tell them something. I'm thinking to my youth leader, Glenn, Brother Glenn, why are you giving me the hardest class? He says, Steve, you can handle it. You can do it. 
And so I think back to those days every year, youth day, you know, I'd teach this class or that class. Or, and then uh, later on when I got in college, they actually let me do the sermon. I'll tell you what, I think those are awesome things to have in training our children to be a part of the church. So parents, please, please, please don't make the mistake of valuing the temporal over the eternal when it comes to your children. Softball, football, dance, track, basketball, other activities will one day pass away. Learning to serve Christ and know Christ is eternal. People, sometimes they spend all this time training, getting it right to do, to be able to throw the ball a certain way. But little time, oh, we don't have time for church. Hello, we're getting our values all goofed up. And the world knows it. It's, you, know what, you know whose fault it is that the, the world has started having practice on Wednesdays and Sundays? You know whose fault it is? It's not the world's fault. It's the church's. We've let it. If I had a ball player in my house that was super good, I'd just say, no, sorry, little Johnny's not practicing. What? We need him. Well, then have your practice on another night. My friends, it's the church's fault for a lot of the stuff that's going on in our world because we just have let down. Oh, it's not that important. It's time we raise the standard. Not every kid is going to make it to the NFL, but every kid is going to stand before God. And every girl and every boy is going to give an account of their life. What is allowed in one generation is amplified in the next. If you allow yourself to haphazardly skip church and involvement, your kids will see it as even more irrelevant in their lives when they're older. Well, mom and dad didn't really care that much. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Talking about equipping, talking about training, talking about getting our kids to heaven, talking about draining up a generation to make a difference. Number five, P, personal involvement. What is the goal in equipping the body? It's personal involvement in ministry. As I've said many, many times, this church doesn't have one, two, or three, or six ministers. It has over 200. Everyone that believes in Christ and is seeking to serve him is a minister. You're a minister. If you're a believer, you're a minister. I didn't say you as a pastor. I didn't say you as an evangelist, but you are a minister. Too many people falsely believe that it is the responsibility of the minister to do all the ministering. And that's not biblical. It's not healthy and it's not sustainable. We have many, many, many volunteers in this church who minister day after day and week after week and month after month. I praise God for all of you, deacons, teachers, commanders, musicians, singers, sound, video, and media, and internet people, people putting stuff on the website. There's stuff that goes on in this church you don't even realize sometimes, or who does it? How many have ever gotten on the church website 
You've seen a, you've seen a sermon on there? Did that just get on there? Did that just happen to just fall on the internet? No. Just Kevin up there in the sound booth with the camera right now puts it on there. How many of you started listening to any of the podcasts, Noble Assembly God podcast? You know who does that? My son Caleb does that. He takes home the recording every Sunday and he puts it on the podcast so that people, because I didn't even know what a podcast was. I thought that was something you, you know, you, you cast when you're in the pods. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But no, people are into that stuff. People do those things. People come in here and clean. It's, this church doesn't just magically get vacuumed and the bathrooms get cleaned. It doesn't just magically happen that there's toilet paper on the roll. Somebody had to put it there. What would you think if you drove into church and the grass was about 18 feet tall? Somebody had to mow it. We've had a group of guys all year long. Praise God, they're finally fall. Winter has arrived. <laughs> They've been faithfully out there week after week. And we could go on. The funeral and meal team, the safety team we've started. Uh, children's church, connect group leaders, nursing home. We do the nursing home every Thursday over here. Over there, people go over there and, and minister at the nursing home. Marcia Gifford does a great job. Others have done it in the past. I go over there about once a month. That doesn't just happen. Prayer teams, visitation ministers, people going and visiting people within the body, greeters. And heaven forbid we forget the coffee makers. <laughs> Woo! Got to have some of that cappuccino. You know, wouldn't it be neat if I could just arrive here about 7.30 in the morning, just wave a magic wand and the coffee starts up and the, the lights come on and the, everything's vacuumed and it just, whoop, it's all done. Bing, like, you know, Samantha, I'm bewitched, you know. Brink her nose, whatever you should do. What'd she do this? Some of you younger said, what's he talking about? The same time as Gilligan's Island. What's Gilligan's Island? It doesn't just happen. People are involved. People are doing, ministering, serving. And that's what it's all about. It's all ministry. It's all important. So personal involvement is key. And that brings me to the conclusion of this message. One thing you might have noticed as we were reading those scriptures is in the book of Ephesians, over 60 times you find the words we, us, or our. I underline them. In my Bible, if you look at my book of Ephesians here, every we, us, or ours underline account, there's over 60. What do you think that says? I think that says and sends us the message that being a church body and doing ministry is a community event. It's not a one-man show. It takes teamwork. And teamwork makes the dream work. You've probably heard that. It's not a one-man show. It's spirit-led, equipped believers working together for the cause of Christ, serving one another in ministry. It's far more biblical, far more healthier, and in the whole body, when the whole body is equipped to minister and operating as it should be. Amen. Now, most of us, I'm sure, have heard of the former and legendary Sooner football coach by the name of Bud Wilkinson. 
Certainly, it was a great coach. He coached from 1947 to 1963, and he won three national championships in 1950, 55, and 56. The story goes that he was approached by a young reporter and asked, Coach, how has the game of football contributed to the health and fitness of America? The reporter was shocked when Coach Wilkinson said, It hasn't contributed at all. The reporter was nervous and stammered back, what do you mean by that? Wilkinson said, I define football as 22 men on the field desperately needing rest and 22,000 fans in the stadium, stadium desperately needing exercise. <laughs> Church, if we are not careful... And if we are not intentional, we will become Bud Wilkinson's description. And God has greater things for us than that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your church. I thank you for this church. I thank you for all the volunteers and leaders who tirelessly work. I won't say tirelessly because I'm sure they get tired. But they continue on. They press on to do what you called them to do. I pray, Father God, that we continue to work together as a team. There's so much more that we need to do, so much more that needs to be accomplished. And by your help, by the Spirit of God, we will press on to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that is not a Christian, I pray, Father God, as I mentioned earlier, the rapture could happen and this place I trust would be empty. Lord, maybe when I said that earlier, there's somebody that had a doubt in their mind. Would they really be gone? Or would they be standing around alone saying, where'd everyone go? Lord Jesus, you're coming back for your bride. You're coming back for that church. The church is working together and, 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 and ministering. And as we've talked about today, doing all these things, one day that time is going to be over. And you're going to come back. And you're going to take to heaven those who love you and are serving you. So, Lord, I pray if there's one here today that doesn't know for sure that they're a part of the body of Christ and that they're ready for heaven, and should you come back, that they would be transported to heaven with you, Lord, I pray that you just touch their heart right now. I pray that in a moment when we ask for people who need prayer to come forward and pray with our prayer leaders, that, that they would come forth and say, Jesus, I want to ask you into my heart. I want to make sure that I'm ready for heaven. Lord, there's others in this room today that maybe something spoke to them in this message this morning. Maybe you just kind of touched their heart and said, there's, there's more you could do. There's talents that I've given you and you really haven't been using them and I want to use them. And Father, I pray if there's those who need healing today and those who need other things that in a moment, like I said, when we pray, that they would come and we would get to pray with them and believe your word. And, and Lord, there may be some here today that they just they really don't need anything in particular. But they just want to come and pray. They just want to come and hang out around the altar a little bit. They want to spend some time in your presence. Lord, I know we're going to baptize some people in a moment. And I thank you for Isabella and... Elijah that's it's going to be baptized and 
I just pray, God, that you would help us all to stay tender as a child in heart for what you want to do in our lives. We thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus.